Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the spin-off podcast, which makes sure that you don't go absolutely stark raving mad during the quarantine. And boy, is that more timely than ever, especially if you live in Victoria. I'm Paul Verhoeven and uh, sitting across in Sydney in his apartment talking into a gold microphone is my wonderful, beautiful dad, John Verhoeven. Hey, dad. Paul, how are you? I'm good. But you know how you said sitting across? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I hate to say this. Well, mm-hmm. you were right on one thing. My microphone, the end of it, the knob, is actually uh-huh. kind of a golden color. Sure. Okay. Um, the rest of it's black. Black and gold. Really? Yep. Oh. But I paid for a gold Paul, microphone. Okay. I'm no, sorry. No, it's I... not completely gold. But here's the thing. You actually said, said sitting mm. across, but mm-hmm. Sydney's actually not across from Melbourne. Isn't it? Although it is a sphere, but we do have an axis traveling through the center of the earth, which means technically where... Um, above you, so you should have said looking up to Sydney or I'm really. looking down to Melbourne. That's not really traditional. No, the Earth is revolving. Mm, but like I said, I'm saying anyway. sometimes, sometimes we are above you. Actually, actually, I think if you are sitting equidistant, like halfway between both places, and are staring east to west, then we are across from. Cool, love it. Yep. Great. Anyway, we have a lot of content to go through today, so let's just power straight on into some of your listener questions. Question one. Hi, John. My wife and I decided that we don't want to have a funeral. I believe that so long as a death notice is published in the newspapers that cremation without a funeral is absolutely legal. Question one, is that correct? Question two, since the body in the first instance is probably taken to a funeral home, how does one tell the funeral home that their services are not required other than perhaps to convey the body to the crematorium in a body bag. Thanks, John G. Camberwell, Victoria. Wow, golly, <laughs> shit, fuck. <laughs> I know. Oh God, look. Oh Jesus. Um, you can't just look. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what a doozy. I know. I know. Oh. Um, I know. there are protocols in this world, believe it or not. Uh-huh. You can't just rock up to the crematorium with a sack with a body in it over your shoulder. Where do I put it? It has to be in a coffin, which is really, really interesting, Paul, because can can I just touch on our conversation prior to recording? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've just come from a funeral home and I was, I told you I was selecting coffins. Yeah. And you said to me, you mentioned the urn. So I guess we need to go through the whole process. But it's a great question, I thought, from you or, you know, about because there are so many misconceptions. Well, I just assumed that, you know, 
I assume that you were. I'm not laughing at death, death or anything. I'm just. I assume that you, your body was put in a thing like a hot thing, and then turned into ashes, put in an urn. Bob's your uncle, and if he is your uncle and he died, Bob's in the urn. That's what I thought, right? But you're saying that you need to be in a coffin, and then they burn a perfectly good coffin. It's not like it's not that it's a perfectly good coffin, right, and a lot right. of coffins aren't burnt. If you're um, embalmed and you go in a crypt mm. for, for for a thousand years, oh Jesus, that scares um, me. That's a whole whole other episode as well. That scares the shit out of me. Because I know you wanted to do a huge episode on cremation, multiple episodes. You said last episode, you said we would have multiple cremation episodes because it's such a. I mean, I think it's a very common thing, uh, and something I said to you last night, I believe, Dad, was that, and maybe this will resonate with listeners a little bit, is that not everyone is going to have an encounter with the police. Not everyone's going to be involved in a crime or have a home invasion or be held up at a bank and have to give a witness statement. And not everyone is going to uh, have their house on fire or have to get rescued from a tree if they're a cat. Mm. But everyone is going to deal with death. It is death. It is a very universal, very unifying, very Mm. relatable experience and i think i'm just looking forward to seeing what kind of things come out of the season mm. I can think you do me a favor different. and read that question once more hi john my wife and i have decided that we don't want to have a funeral i believe that so long as a death notice is published in the newspapers that cremation without a funeral is absolutely legal question one is that correct okay well look you need when you die mm. you need a certificate as to the cause of death now that that's obvious yeah and there are various I mean, a doctor will issue one if he's been your doctor for a long time and he knows your medical history. Mm-hmm. But you've still got to get the body to the crematorium. And there's only one organization that can do that, and that's a funeral home. Gotcha. Now, so the funeral, you, so someone dies, you contact the funeral home, you say, I just want a cremation. The funeral home will come to your place of residence or. Um, or wherever, wherever you passed away, providing it's not under nefarious circumstances. Sure. And all the paperwork's spot on. And they will convey you not from the scene where you passed away to the crematorium. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Okay. Well, can you imagine how busy the crematoriums are? Pretty busy. So they have a booking system. And uh, they've only got X number of furnaces going. And they're going flat strap. From memory, it took around about 20, 22 minutes to cremate a body. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you then go to the funeral home and you say, look, I don't want a, a grave site. It's not a burial. It's a simple cremation. And the essence of a cremation is really simple. Then the funeral home has to store the body for a while. Because as I said... There's a time situation. They have to make a booking with the crematorium. And let's say that booking is five days. Where, where on earth is the body going to be? Well, it's not going to be at home in your bed or wherever. Five days, it has to be in a funeral home because it has to be refrigerated. Mm, okay. Not frozen, just cooled. Mm-hmm. Part of the, the, the system in this country is that when a body is conveyed from the funeral home to the crematorium... It has to be done in a hearse. And to travel in a hearse... Has to be in a coffin. Has to be in a coffin. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. The the body in the coffin... I mean, sometimes people don't go, but I think we're sort of bleeding into the, into the next... Into the sort of the Monday topics. 
I Tuesday think what, topics. Yeah, I think what might be useful is uh, consider this a tease mm. for episodes about really, really meaty topics. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think I actually have something for you, Dad, which might... But just to flip the script a little bit, as you will know, uh, Dad, from a very personal perspective, you and I both get contacted by countless people in the emergency services and they tell us incredible stories and they open up and they share their stories and it's really interesting hearing from people who aren't you because you know i know your stories and your perspective is the one i grew up with but i was actually sent a story by one of our listeners and uh it's for you elaine thought you might like this and i think you might like this and just for once i would like to read you a story from someone else in the emergency services right would you like to hear a story from elaine sounds fantastic okay it's it's it gets pretty hairy here we go and it's also uh, a direct reference to uh the last episode of the show so here we go hi john and paul love the latest episode i used to ride horses as a kid and what you described was always my biggest fear this is going to be a long post but i wanted to tell you what happened when i saw my first dead body I was a 19-year-old nursing student in 1991 and training in a massive aged care facility in Victoria. I knew I would eventually have to see a dead body. I was petrified of that day. The day, or night in this case, eventually came. I did my best to avoid that room with the curtains closed. My charge nurse knew that I'd never seen a dead body. He said, Elaine, take some sandwiches and tea in for the family who were at the man's bedside. I said everything I could to avoid it, but my boss said something like, you got to do it sometime. I took in tea and sandwiches, shitting myself. Don't want to get those two mixed up and ruin someone's, ruin someone's breakfast. And I did lift my gaze once. After a few hours, the family must have left and I heard the words I never wanted to hear. Okay, Elaine, you and I are going to lay him out. No! Me, a student, had no choice. I had to go in behind those curtains. I got the bowl of warm water, the soap, the towels, the body bag. Holy fuck. I finally went back inside the curtain with my boss and looked at this frail old man. You could definitely tell he was dead. He had sort of a yellow tinge to his skin. We put his teeth back in and tried to close his jaw a bit to get him looking more normal. I think we wrapped a pillowcase around his head to keep his mouth closed. We washed and dried him respectfully, popped him in the bag and transferred him to a trolley. My pulse must have been about 200 BPM. It was probably about 21.30 hours, which is what? Is that 9.30? 9.30 by this stage. Then my boss says, you're going to take him down to the morgue with me. What the actual fuck? I literally begged him not to make me go. Now, here's the part of the story that really, really, really freaked me out, and I'll swear on my kids' lives that this is true. We wheel him down the corridor, and I'm the one closest to the lift, so I push the down button with one hand on the trolley and the other hand pushing the down button. I saw and felt a purple current run between my finger and the lift button. I never said a word to anyone, but I reckon for the next year, I thought that somehow that guy's spirit had entered my body and I was going to be possessed forever. I was an innocent country girl with no idea about death. I still have no idea what that purple current was. I never did get possessed. And then she's put a laughing emoji into Placatus a little bit. Still creepy, but all right. I worked in aged care for many years after that, and I have gotten many funny and sad death stories that my family love hearing about. Once I saw that first dead body, I was fine after that, but I remember taking that guy to the morgue, and when the door was open, the smell of death hit me like a sledgehammer. It is a smell you never forget. Also, one more thing. I would love you guys to do an episode about 9-11. John, you as a cop, a fiery, and a funeral director must have a great insight into that day. I'd be really interested in hearing your take on it all. Anyway, sorry for the long post, but I've always wanted to tell that story about the purple current. Elaine. Absolutely. Fascinating. <clears throat> Amazing. You, the listeners may recall, did I ever tell you about the body in the morgue that sat up, Paul? No, it saved that one. <laughs> okay, I'll save that. You've got to say, um, hang on, was that a, is that a police story? Mm, kind of. It, ble- it bleeds from police into, uh, into funerals, into 
hospitals. I think like yeah. well, I think for like week three we should do spooky stuff. So we'll do like mm. a kind of Halloweeny theme. Oh, I've got right? some great so, spooky stories. Yeah, great. All right. Um, so, Dad, what did you what did you think of the story? I thought it was fascinating. I think the current thing's weird. Yeah. Um, it could have been static electricity, but not but, purple. Well, I mean, oh look, honestly, when you're talking with dead people, um, very very interesting. Uh, what I was also fascinated is uh, the comment about the smell of death. That's pretty, mm, pretty unique. Yeah, and it's not a rotting smell. It's a, it's just a smell. Is it the uh, chemicals? I can't really describe it? it. And the look of people, they look like, well, they look like wax. Right. Um, and uh, but have, having to go down, I feel so sorry for the lovely lady because she was nineteen. Mm. I mean, that's a shit shit job for a nineteen year old. It'd be it'd be creepy as 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 anything. I know. And um, I mean, it's creeping me out just to think of going down. Into the into the, the bowels of a hospital with a with a dead person. Um, I actually thought during that story she was going to say that the current went through and then she looked around and the person had sat up and you know because there have been quite a few cases. Really, there have been cases of people being buried alive Fuck. accidentally. There Fuck. are people that have woken up in the hearse. That's a real phobia, um, I think. No, it's it's it, it has happened. People talk about their greatest fear. I think they, they do surveys every couple of years. And by they, I mean, I don't even know who. This could be completely apocryphal. But people talk about what human beings' greatest fear is when you average it out. And apparently, the biggest fear is public speaking. And I'm thinking, fuck that for a haircut. Like, what are you talking about? Being buried alive is my single greatest fear, I think. Buried alive, um, very traumatic. Um, I've, done a fair my... bit of, I've done a fair bit of cave diving, so I'd hate to run out of oxygen um, I just hate to drown, but I guess burning, burning alive would be pretty crook too. Um, really? Oh, God. Or, you know, being pushed out of a building with no yeah. parachute. Yeah. Knowing that in those final seconds you're completely aware. Well, you can't unring that bell. You're falling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as I've said in previous uh, podcasts, that's why quite often, uh, particularly skydiving, a lot of the injuries are. A lot of people land feet first, not head first. Yeah. They yeah. manage to turn their body around and then they start trying to climb this invisible bloody big ladder that isn't oh, there. Christ, Christ on a bike. And they land so feet first. So um, yeah. God, look, it's just such a massive topic, the funeral gotta, industry. It's so big. I have a very um, odd question for you, Dad. You mentioned drowning, going on fire, being buried alive. These are all very unpleasant ways to die. Um how do you how do you want to go dream scenario? Because I I was thinking for a while I'm like all right, I want to die doing something really stupid like playing playing badminton on the edge of an active volcano or you know taking a bullet for someone just some like you know monstrously interesting death. I think what I'd like to do at some point down the line in this season is ask you about the most interesting deaths that you've encountered in your time. Mm. Well, as plenty of those because they can't all because you have you've heard of the Darwin Awards, right? No. It's an annual thing where basically this society gets together and, and effectively ranks the stupidest deaths. So we're talking like idiots who have died in very stupid, embarrassing ways. It's a, it's a legitimate thing, the Darwin Awards. Uh, basically, the argument being that Charles Darwin, you know, talked about natural selection and the Darwin Awards posit the idea that, you know, these people who died very stupidly. Something I can't... I mean, the listeners know that I've seen lots of <clears throat> bad stuff, but... Mm. Um, there's one thing I just can't watch, and that's videos of people falling over. Like, um, pr- like prank videos of people getting like, I like, hate, I hate the them. And, they make me yeah. sick. Yeah. 
physically. I, I become ill. I um, I don't like to see people having accidents. I find people's um, misfortune uh, really distressing. Yeah. You know, you see these things where people fall over, they dive off a board, the board breaks, they whack their neck on the side of a pool. Uh, I think that is, I just, I fail to see uh, any humour in that. That's me. Mm-hmm. To think that some of the commercial networks in this country and no doubt others have actually put whole shows together. I mean, it's terrible. Think about the person, uh, like someone that's walking along a like a, a metal fence and they fall and they crush their their nuts. Um, yeah, that what they I mean, never terrible. show is well, they never show the medical procedure. No, they don't. They don't show the person after. in hospital. Yeah, or they don't show. I mean, they don't show the person in a wheelchair. I mean, yeah. some of these ones with swimming pools or glass. Yeah, they're, they're horrendous. And I, I think, and I'm really, I, I might be on my own. God, I could be the only person in Australia actually saying what I'm saying, but isn't that weird where I have seen so much shit in my life Mm. that my glass is overflowing and I just cannot handle it? I think I know why, and um, this might be very naive of me, but I think it's because you know what affects um, those things can have on the human body. You know what affects trauma can have on the body and what it's like, plus... I'm not sure if listeners know this, but you broke your leg extremely badly in a very bad fall and mm. you were in traction. You had to have major surgery. I don't think the listeners know about that. Right. Fortunately, we- that the day that happened, um, I was with three firefighters, uh, professional guys, mm. and I'll never forget what happened was uh, we were moving house in the rain yeah. and my right foot went to the very bottom of the stairs whilst my left foot stayed at the very top of the stairs. My testicles were touching the stairs halfway down. Yeah. And not only was it the most horrific, I broke three bones in my ankle, but it was a 90-degree total dislocation where I had minutes to relocate the foot because there was zero blood getting to it. But I'll never, ever forget, I had the most insane, intense, almost... Almost, I can't put, quite put my finger on it, but it was an overwhelming desire to drink yeah. water. And I looked. I didn't look at the. I didn't look at my foot. I knew it was pretty bad. What I did, I looked at one of my firefighter friends' faces, and these are hardened firemen that have seen some serious fucked up shit. And the look on his face told me that I was rat shit, and I was. And when I got, fortunately, they didn't call an ambulance. Now, the the listeners might be thinking, well, why is that fortunate? Well, I was in really good hands. They got me in a car. I had to hold my leg, and I remember looking down, and my left foot was at 90 degrees to where it should be. Every time I looked at it, I had this wave of sort of, nausea come over me now when i got up to manly hospital the injury because of the dislocation was treated on par Mm. with a with a heart attack happening there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. They rushed me in. About eight people held me down. No anesthetic. Fuck off. Their absolute priority. My foot was going black. Okay? I didn't know that. Oh. It's fucked. And oh. what happened was... They held me down and they, someone, like an emergency doctor, and I'll just jump ahead about six months. The emergency doctor that I met six months later remembered in minute detail everything about this story. It was so horrific. What he did, and they're holding me down, he pulled my left foot out, probably an inch or two. He tried to rotate it at 90 degrees and then put it back to where it should have been. The problem was that three bones were completely smashed. In fact, one of I, I ended up having a plate and 11 screws fixated. And, oh, God, you know what happened? I passed out. Now, people hear about, oh, yeah, in the movies, you know how they're doing something terrible and you just pass out. So the body actually got to that stage. I mean, the threshold that you can handle before you pass out is, is extreme. Yeah. Now... I woke up with a, an orthopedic surgeon looking down at me holding an x-ray. I remember his name <clears throat> was Dr. Siddiqui. And I just said to him, I said, is it bad? And he said, you're going into surgery. And I went into surgery and they did the plate, plates, screws. Um, it looked really, really fascinating from an engineering perspective. Mm. And then what happened, Paul was that I got golden staff and my foot several weeks later started to turn black and it became infected and it sort of started to ooze. And then I went back to Manly Hospital 
and I went for day surgery and they had to treat because what they were hoping was that the plate and screws would stay in my body forever but mm. because of the infection they said that this infection lies or can lie dormant on the actual metal and medical people will know um, if I'm being you know sort of very accurate um, so they waited a period of time until the all the bones were pretty good they then took all the metal out and it was day surgery. And I remember I was the last person to leave the hospital that night. And everything was just fine. And then when I went to get off the bed, I mean, they were literally turning the lights out in the hospital. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. And as I swung my two feet down onto the ground, I felt this sort of rushing sensation. And what had happened was the entire... Because there, there were big scars either side because uh, they had to go in through two, both sides of my leg to do the operation and then on the inside where my inside ankle is on my left foot it completely uh, broke down and the wound opened up and there was blood and it was just it was a shit fight and what happened was um god this is this is so bad um they couldn't re-stitch it they said it had to there's a word they use where it has to sort of uh shit it's a bloody good word um granulate which means over months, it layer upon layer, it finally builds. So I've got like a pencil, super fine scar on my left hand side, and on the other side, I've got like a. You can see it's like a. I could actually lay my thumb inside the wound when it first opened up. I mean, I, I could never figure out why they couldn't um, just stitch it back up, but, but medical people will know why. Mm. And then a few weeks later, so I'm in the fire brigade, permanent firefighter, off work, wanted to get back. And we were living at uh, the coachman's cottage and um, um, I was having a bath one um, one afternoon and I mean I didn't have many baths, I was generally a shower type person but I was sitting down looking at my um, uh, the wound, how it was healing <clears throat> and there was this white cord sticking out, just coming, sort of poking its head out of the, the skin. It looked like a kind of like a white worm and I pulled it and it was very much, it wasn't a worm, it turned out to be a tendon. And as I was pulling it, um, I realized, and I'm pulling it, pulling it, and it's stretching a little bit. And then it sort of, I just began to feel an overwhelming sense again that I was going to pass out. And passing out in a bath is not a great idea because you could drown. And um, I went back to Manly Hospital and the surgeon that had seen me months before what he did, he grabbed some tweezers or maybe even pliers and he pulled the tendon until it was at the maximum stretch and then he nipped it and it sort of, and the, the remaining bit popped back inside my uh, my ankle. You still there, Paul? Hello? Yep, I'm here. You okay? I feel like I'm going to throw up. That's really intense. I, I guess, actually thought you'd gone. I guess the takeaway here is... Um, is falling over isn't fun if you've been through that, right? Hmm. Cool. Let's change the subject. <laughs> Sorry, mate, but it's a great yarn, isn't it? Don't say yarn, because that stuff looked like string and I feel physically ill. Hey, one thing, I'm going to try a... Okay, I'm going to try a Jedi-level segue. You ready? Hmm. So, you used to have the plate and screws in a jar. You kept them after the surgery. Correct. Yep. Yes? Uh, you don't have them anymore, do you? No, I got rid of them. You got rid of them because you're a minimalist. Correct. Well, we have a question about Correct. your minimalism. Here we go. Okay. This is from uh, Trish. 
Raving fan of loose units since concept. Whoop. Question, knowing you're a minimalist, you have three minimalist books is sort of against the grain of being a minimalist, by the way. How do you stop yourself from keeping all the beautiful antique pieces you find in your travels that you love? I ask because our elderly loved one has moved into an aged care center and her home is filled with stunning pieces of both furniture and ornaments. I have my own home, which doesn't really work with these pieces, but these are items I've grown up with and only now, as I've gotten older, am admiring their value. Help. P.S. Given you do have several minimalist books, I suspect this is also a challenge for you too. Warmest, Trish. Well, I am a practicing minimalist, whatever that means. Um, and I do have three books on minim- minimalism, but they all come to minim- minimalism from a slightly different perspective. Minimalism? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. But I love minimalism. Now, what does minimalism mean? It means that you can still have a few really, really nice things. Okay? So what I do have is is fantastic. But the thing is, because I deal in antiques... I get to own the items for a little while. Yeah. So in terms of that whole concept of owning something, you don't have to own something for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. If you can own it for a day, which I've owned many things, as you know, Paul, for a day, Mm. invariably I get very excited because I'm a highly excitable person. And I'll call Christine from the ute and say, Christine, and she just says, don't ask, it's not coming inside. (laughs) That's the standard response from Christine. But Do I not guess... even think about it. So I have to smuggle things in. Right. And then she's at work. She comes home. I managed to smuggle a painting in a few weeks ago. Her one comment was, oh, that's that's large. That's all she said about it. I was I was deeply mortified and sure. slightly but, upset because I really sm- do love what I do have. But when you have to smuggle an oil painting in, in your ass, prison style, I mean, obviously, you know, why not just... Just ask if you can have a new painting on the wall. I see new stuff go through your place all the time. I would compare it to an art gallery where there's rotating collections. Mm. Yeah. Well, it is. It's a, it's a rotating collection. Oh. The things that I really that are very close to my heart, and I'll share this with the listeners. You know, there are a few things that I absolutely I don't I won't say I worship them, but it's borderline. I venerate these items. Mm. I've got a one and a half inch cube of pure tungsten. And I'm looking at it now. It just sits there and I find it exciting and visually stimulating. But to most people, it's just a cube of steel. Mm-hmm. But the fun part of that is how heavy it is, which is really, it's awesomely heavy. I've also got an iron meteorite that weighs close to one kilo. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, something doesn't have to be, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be rare, but look, we special, all like yeah. things, I guess. I mean, boy, I have like a, things. I have a very diverse and bizarre collection. I have, I have a bottle of a bottle of wine arrived the other week. Uh, a friend of mine from the states, Josh, sent me this bottle, and the actual Jean Luc Picard winery in France made a limited run of in-universe actual Picard wines from his winery that is featured in the new series that he he retired on to. So I've got this bottle of wine made by Jean-Luc Picard and it's got his quotes on the back and it's like it's done up so it's actually from his fictional vineyard and it's sitting on this sitting on this speaker I'm never going to drink it I'm I'm always now going to have this thing in my house I'm never going to get rid of it and I've just got all these things these beautiful things you've given me countless things over the years you know you and listeners don't know this but you actually gave me your police number your badge mm, um, that's pretty amazing as a, as a gift and that wow. dad that is like I'm never going to no matter how minimalist I ever got, and I'm not going to get minimalist, I would never get rid of that thing. You mm. know, I would never, you know. I mean, I don't know whether the listeners know this, but I, 
well, they obviously more than likely won't, but I've got this very small chest of drawers. Um, it's got a very interesting history behind it. It came from uh, an airport, Kingsford Smith Airport, yeah. and it was used in one of their engineering shops. So a lot of the little drawers, and I mean really, they're, they're, they're little drawers. Yes. They're maybe two inches high, mm-hmm. um, and, they're, and they're felt lined. And I do keep some special things in my special chest of drawers, albeit yeah. a tiny chest, which means I can only put tiny things in there. Mm. But all my magic tricks I keep in there. Yeah. All my card tricks. When I joined the New South Wales Fire Brigades, Christine, she bought me a very, very expensive buck. That's B-U-C-K knife in a leather pouch. And she mm. said, that's for you to wear as a firefighter. And I wore that on my waist for 10 years. Oh. And I used to, because sh- I love sharpening knives. Mm. And I don't want that to sound freaky, but <laughs> I appreciate a very fine blade. Yes. The things that I mainly got to do with that knife is when people were trapped in cars, I used to use it to cut the seatbelts. I was going to ask. So you actually used it in the line of duty. That's I great. used it in anger is the term. Oh, and, um, what? In anger? That's a term that is used in the New South Wales Fire Brigades. I'm not sure. I can't speak for other fire brigades, both here and overseas. But yeah. if you um, go to a job and you pull out the gear you, and you use it in anger, it means you actually got to use it. You don't use oh. it and you're not angry. It <laughs> means it's a term. There are some great terms in, in all occupations. So I remember like- a friend of mine who, um, I'm not going to say who it is because he'll, he'll really get upset, but... Yeah. He used to do a lot of travelling and he used to pretend in a certain country that he was a Qantas captain and he had never even been in a cockpit. And the owners of the resorts where he used to stay used to treat him with with mild reverence, to put it mildly, and he was always known as Captain... What's his name? And it went really, really well. He, they really looked after him. They gave him rock star treatment. Until one day in the foyer of this particular hotel, the lovely manager thought he was being really cool and called my friend over and introduced him to two real Qantas captains or pilots, <laughs> one captain, one co-pilot. And my friend's life flashed before him. Right. He knew he was fucked. He couldn't go over to talk to them because, and I don't know whether you've ever heard pilots talking, but boy, oh boy, if I'm in a cafe overseas and there are two American or Australian pilots um, chatting, and I find it quite fascinating listening to the the stories and the lingo. Yeah. But they, you, you can't go in and, you know, I mean, to be a con man. Imagine, like, if I can talk, I can talk to fireys anywhere. I could be in Russia with a translator. I could be in mm. North Africa. Doesn't yeah. matter where. The principles of firefighting are the same, and we all. Within that occupation, there are things you understand. There are yeah. this terminology, and and Paul, you're in the gaming industry. You're, you know, Tegan's involved in, in Sports. entertainment, and there yeah, are things yeah. that the two of you know, like mm. stagecraft and stuff mm. like that. That you can't you can't bullshit, and um, yeah. So, hang on. So, what's this got to do with using something in anger? Not a lot. It's just, uh, my point is that it's a term used by the the fireys in New South Wales. Oh, okay. It's just a, it's, I don't know where it originated, but that's a term that is used. Much like the uh, the ruined tendons holding together your, your feeble muscles after a terrible surgery, that is a tenuous link. Mm, but uh, I don't have feeble muscles, Paul. They were feeble at the time. They were lightly mm, atrophied. Not really, no. You're as strong as an ox now. Well I done. Am. Thank you. Here we go. I've got to read this something before we uh, wrap this episode up. 
So today is day four of strict quarantine for me, all alone, away from my family. I'm stuck here for two weeks as my youngest turns one and is about to take his first steps fucking COVID-19. Just wanted to say thanks for keeping up the podcast. It's nice knowing I'll have you blokes to keep me company twice a week. I've also got my Kindle for multiple re-readings of Loose Units, as well as my Audible version as well. Kind of spewing that Electric Blue isn't out yet, though. Us too. Thanks for the laughs and smiles. And that's from uh, a listener. And Dad, that kind of links to something that is really, really important for us. Um, at the beginning of the year, Dad and I, and uh, we, we here at Loose Units, vowed to donate half of our Patreon money to a cause that would help with bushfire recovery. And over the past few months, we've come to acknowledge and to learn how vital mental health is in the recovery process. And if you add to that the difficulties that we're all facing right now, specifically with the lockdown and all the global stuff, and the feedback we received after our two-part special on bullying and suicide in the emergency services, which dad just did amazing work on and the path seemed pretty clear to us so we'd like to announce that we'll be donating $500 to stand by who offer support after suicide and we want to thank all of our patreon supporters this is more than half of what you guys pledged to us and we're really proud to send that off under the loose units banner and hopefully it can lead to something really good that's so lovely paul yeah i thought that really, was it. yeah everyone's trapped indoors and everyone's going a bit nuts and this is a very, very stressful time and mm. I'm walking down the street in Victoria where, you know, stage three lockdowns happened and there's just businesses closing mm. and the arts are just crumbling and it's, it's, know, it's really... heavy. Paul, yeah. we uh, we discussed um, six months ago that we weren't going to really talk about the, uh, the COVID situation because mm. everyone in the world was talking about it and I was sitting on the lounge watching the news last night and realize that we've been talking about it on the news and listening and watching and just living it for the last six months which is a long time yeah and yeah. um and we kind of made that almost a pledge um not to talk about it and we don't talk about it but i'd like to um perhaps give a bit of a shout out to our friends in melbourne um and and our friends on the borders yeah. um and you know look i'm not going to be a doomsday merchant I'm a very positive person, so I'm going to always try and remain very positive about this and know that we will get through it. You know, but but um, you know, I've 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 got um, a small, you know, I'm a sort of a single owner business type person here in mm. Sydney. And when this whole thing started a few months ago, I went from working my clacker out to zero phone calls for almost three months. Like it died completely. Not a whiff of work um, and that was stressful so I just want people to know that you know it affects everyone yeah so the podcast didn't just help keep you and isn't just helping keep you folks out there company you know each week each Friday it's also helping dad and I stay in touch you Definitely. know like because I haven't seen dad in the, this is the longest period I haven't seen dad in for ages our families are separated by states my dad my brother lives in Thailand my sister lives in Germany we just can't I mean we can't get in touch and so we've been doing video chats but the single greatest thing I look forward to each week is sitting down with you, Dad, and talking to all of our listeners. And I feel like there's a real sense of community. Mm. And, and I think that's why it felt so important to, you know, put some of our Patreon money towards something that helps people with an issue that is getting really tricky right now. And that is, you know, <laughs> like, 
it's just so important. Mental health is such an important cause. So if you want more information and if you want to donate yourself, uh, you can head to standbysupport.com.au. We'll be giving $500 to them thanks to your very generous Patreon uh, subscriptions. And also, Dad and I are really excited about this season. We've got so many big, big, big things coming uh, but I think, yeah, what we should do is probably go and have a lie down because this was a very stressful episode. Please, everybody, just take care of your friends, take care of your families, and take care of yourselves and uh, know that we're thinking of you. And we'll see you on Monday for uh, our second episode of Loose Units Dead Serious. Mm. And although I haven't met a lot of the listeners, I've met a lot at all our live shows, like probably, well, it's in the thousands that have attended collectively. And, you know, I get feedback probably... I get probably six messages per day, um, and I try and answer everybody. But, you know, the word love, I mean, you know, I love um, lots of things. I love um, I love great food, love great art, love architecture, love waking up in the morning, love running on the beach, actually love driving my ute, listening to chill-out music. But I also love, and I don't want to sort of creep people out, but I love all of our listeners. I I to stick by us and, you know, through the highs and lows. Um, I mean, Paul and I, we do two a week. Um, and we, we, you know, the Friday one's great in that we get to answer questions. You know, I'm, I feel very strongly about our uh, Loose Units community. I uh, can't wait for the book to come out, Paul. Your magnificent book, you recall. It's, <laughs> I think it's, am I allowed to say it's been printed or? Yeah, well, the book has gone to print right now. Critics are being sent their copies. And if you want to help make this, uh, book based on things that dad did back in the 80s go well a lot of people have been sending in messages saying that they've they've ordered their copies they've pre-ordered and now you can go to um booktopia and you can pre-order your audio copy there as well and also hey just another thing that we haven't um asked for in a while uh that would really help us everyone i know it seems silly but if you like this show feel free to head across to itunes and leave a rating and a review because it just helps us climb the charts and honestly a little bit of an ego stroke in this bizarre, lonely time is really, really lovely. And also, uh, you know, the more, the higher we are on the charts, the better the book sells. Effectively, what we're trying to do is build a small empire here, and we're an army, and we're marching on a city, and we're holding torches, and we're screaming. So <laughs> let's all scream together. Uh, the, sorry, that ending went kind of weird, Dad. No, is there okay. anything else? cool. Look, you know. That's right. Anyway, yeah. look, we speak, we speak from the heart. <laughs> we do, it's we do. It's not scripted. No, it's not. All right, it's love not. your work, mate. Love you, Dad. Talk soon, okay? Cheers, mate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 